Democrats and Republicans now agree we've got to uh, reduce the debt by about $4 trillion over the next 10 years. And I know that sounds like a lot of money. It is. But it's doable. If I had a million dollars If I had a million dollars Well, I'd buy you a house I would buy you a house Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm Hannah Jaffe-Walt. And I'm Robert Smith. Today is Friday, April 22nd, and that was President Barack Obama you heard at the top at a Facebook town hall meeting earlier this week. Today on the program, Robert, we track the flight of millionaires. The migration patterns of the very rich. We all know they have helicopters and private planes and those beautiful yachts. They can go anywhere they want, whenever they want. But there's a huge question about the rich floating around right now, which is, do high taxes cause them to move at state capitals across the nation? They're debating this. Today's show, we're going to look at the economic evidence. But first, our Planet Money Indicator with J. Julius Goldstein. Today's Planet Money Indicator, 23%. The interest rate on Greece's two-year bonds, it hit 23% this week. That is an amazing, amazing number. It's astonishingly high. It's a record for any country in the euro area. Two-year German bonds, for comparison, they pay less than 2% interest. Two-year U.S. bonds pay less than 1% interest. So basically what this means, bond investors don't think that Europe's bailout of Greece is going to work. They think Greece is going to default on its debt. It's so interesting to see this happening now because I was in Greece last year in the spring when they were talking about, do we take this bailout or not? And the conversation was all, you know, a bailout is basically a loan. So if we're going to default anyway, do we take the bailout now and then default later? Or if we take the bailout now, will it really give us this time to fix our problems? And this sort of seems like it's saying it, it didn't work. Yeah, at least in the case of Greece, that's true. And and that distinction you made, Hannah, I mean, I think it's worth just dwelling on for a sec, right? These these bailouts we've been hearing about in Europe, I mean, we call them bailouts, but they're loans, right? So you're saying to this country, your problem is too much debt. So what we're going to do is we're going to give you more debt. And that only works if what a country has is like a short-term problem. So they, you know, they kind of get their act together and their economy starts growing in and then they can start paying off their debt. But if a country has longer-term problems, which Greece clearly seems to have their economy shrank last year, it's probably going to shrink again this year, then this kind of bailout, it just adds to the debt. It just sort of puts off the, you know, the day of reckoning, to be a little bit dramatic about it. And it, and it seems like that's what's coming in Greece. So we're going to kind of move from this era of bailouts in Europe to what seems like an era of default in Europe. All right. Thank you, Jacob. Thanks. And now on to the problems of the very rich. You know, they have a lot of problems. But we might have to use our imagination here because, um, well, let's just cue up some wealthy music underneath us. And perhaps we'll bring out a bottle of Dom Perignon. Oh, Dom Perignon. It's nice. <laughs> Only the best. So to imagine the problems of the very rich, we're going to have to do this as a thought experiment since... Robert, you and I do not actually make that much money. Well, you do not make that much money. Let's just say for the point of this podcast that I make a million dollars a year. Maybe I was doing credit default swaps on Greek debt or something. But I make a million dollars a year, and from now on you will refer to me as Worthington Samuel Smith III. <laughs> okay. Worthington. I'm going to stick with Hannah. So, so Worthington, I imagine um, y- you have a yacht that you travel around on? Well, it's technically my father's yacht, but I'm allowed unlimited use of it, as well as the mansion out in Brooklyn. All right. So, Worthington, me and the other common folk here, we've been thinking that, you know, times are tough in New York. You make a million dollars a year. Most of us do not. You have that lovely yacht. And we've been thinking that you should probably pay a little bit more in taxes. 
Yeah. Did I mention my helicopter and my private plane and my summer home in a state that has no income tax? <laughs> if you raise my taxes here in New York, I am going to leave. I'm going to fly away from the Northeast, and I'm going to keep my money. You know, you may not understand, Hannah, but there is someone who does understand me. The governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie, when there was a proposed hike in the millionaire's tax, that man vetoed it. You know, I think what you're going to find is that more and more people have left the state and continue to leave the state because of the tax situation. And as I've said before, you're not going to fix this tax situation by continuing to load more and more taxes onto people who have both the ability to leave the state and the inclination to leave the state if they feel as if they're being treated unfairly. You know, it's not just Republicans like Christie who make this argument. Democratic governors in New York and Delaware have said basically the same thing. In both those states, the governors decided not to renew millionaires' taxes because of fears that rich people, like me, will leave, will flee. And I have to say, it sort of makes intuitive sense to the, the lowly people like the rest of us that you rich people, you have no loyalty. Well, you know, you, you just basically, I picture you in your country club sitting around with your tax advisors, like plotting all the ways you can to keep your cash. Have you met my tax advisor? His name's Jim Trippon. He runs Trippon Wealth Management in Houston, Texas. Oh, no, I'd like to meet him because I've actually been having this problem. Yeah, no, my... no, 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 that's not going to happen. <laughs> He's in a whole different class. You have to have at least a million dollars to go to his company. Right. Well, you know, poor don't have much wealth to manage. So uh, we found a better business to manage wealth for the rich. Absolutely. <laughs> and some of them are very rich. Of course, Trippon reminds me that I shouldn't refer to myself as very rich. All of his clients consider themselves more, you know, middle class. It just, it just sounds better. So Trippon, when he talked to me about my newfound wealth, he said, look, there's various legal ways you can avoid taxes on some of my money. I can make certain investments. But eventually, he says, I'm going to have to think about where I live. I'm currently a resident of New York City, of Brooklyn. And I pay about 10% of my now massive income <laughs> to state and local income taxes. That's on top of the federal income tax, 10% more for the joy of living in New York City. And Trippon has a better idea for me. It, it depends on what kind of lifestyle you want to live. But if you wanted to live a lifestyle of a, a warm, sunny climate, if you moved down to Florida, you would not pay the uh, city of New York tax. You would not pay the state of New York tax. You wouldn't pay any income tax other than the federal income tax on your earnings. And that could be a savings to you uh, that would be eighty, ninety thousand dollars $90,000 a year that would be net back to your family. And then you'd also find that your cost of your housing would drop by 50% over what you were spending in Brooklyn. So not only is your cost of living dropping significantly, but your tax bill went down by eighty dollars or $90,000. That's, for a lot of people, a pretty easy sale. So, Robert, this is Worthington. No, no, I can be Robert now. Yeah, okay, come back to Robert. This poor is the, Robert. <laughs> poor, poor old Robert. I picture this as like the conversation that the state of New York and New Jersey and other high tax states really dread, like that they just imagine this happening every day. They're millionaires sitting down in country clubs with advisors like Tripon and thinking these are the guys who pay for huge percentages of the state budget, and they're being lured away by sun and beaches and no income tax. And when you talk to Trippon, he says it, it happens all the time with his clients. Many of them have already made their wealth, their kids are grown up, and they're looking to live, you know, a slightly better life. They leave the Northeast or they leave California, and they move to, say, Texas or one of the handful of states without income tax. Okay, but a few stories of rich people leaving doesn't seem like the best way to make public policy, right? You want to look at hard data. You want to actually ask the question, 
do millionaires really pack up and move whenever the tax rate bumps up a couple percentage points? Well, there are people who have actually looked at this, and you got to give Governor Chris Christie some credit here. He was recently on Fox News, and he cited economists in an actual study. Boston College did a study that between 2004 and 2008, $70 billion in wealth has left the state of Where do they go? Where are they going? Florida, Pennsylvania, Connecticut. Florida has no income tax. No income tax at all. And, and all of these states have a lower tax structure on property taxes, income tax, sales tax than New Jersey. But you know, Hannah, I looked at that actual study and it's been cited a lot in New Jersey. And the thing is, it doesn't actually say what the governor claims that it's saying. In fact, taxes are never mentioned anywhere in this study. It's just a pure look at how various people have moved in and out over the years. And it's true that lots and lots of everybody has moved out of New Jersey. But when Chris Christie talks about $70 billion, he's not talking about you know actual billions of dollars in gold, like moving out in U-Hauls. What the study really says is that fewer rich people have moved into the state. So the net worth of the state has gone down because of that. You know, the exodus of millionaires actually slowed down as taxes got higher. Taxes play essentially no impact on causing people to leave a state. That's Jeff Thompson. He's an economist at the Political Economy Research Institute at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. And he published a different paper, but it was on the same topic. And here's the way he went about it. He didn't just look at overall wealth and moving in and out. He looked at whether people move from a high-tax state specifically to a lower-tax state. And he picked a perfect place to do the study. I know. Beautiful New England. Beautiful New England where there are all these small states right next to each other with radically different tax structures. So you have, you know, a very high tax state like Vermont right next to a low tax state like New Hampshire. So this is a great place to look at it because if Christie's theory is true, over time you should see lots of people moving from Vermont to New Hampshire, especially, you know, when Vermont hikes its tax rates. But you don't see that. Professor Thompson says you actually don't see that many people moving back and forth. And when you do see it, it's all about the jobs. People move into high-tax states like Vermont when the jobs are there. And if the unemployment rate is high in New Hampshire, then they move out. He says, bottom line, saving on your taxes just isn't a reason to move. If you're living in a state and you face, you know, your tax bill goes up by 1000 or $2,000, you might not be too happy about it, but that one or $2,000 pales in comparison to what it would cost you to actually move. And it might not be worth it to have to be further away from your job, further away from your friends. So there are large fixed costs of migration. But we often don't think about the high fixed costs because they're all hidden until you try and move. But, you know, I faced this issue recently. I live in Brooklyn. I work here in Manhattan. And for those of you who know this region, there are many different states you can live in. You can live in New Jersey. You can live in Connecticut and have the same commute. And so I was looking at perhaps making a move. You know, I pay 10% of my income here in the city to the city and the state. And I have to say, when I started to look at the cost of moving to, say, Connecticut and add it up, I figured out that selling my home alone and buying a new one even if it was the exact same price, would cost around $60,000, $65,000 just in real estate fees, lawyers, taxes. And on top of all of those, you know, my kids love their school. You know, I, I would hate to leave my friends out in Brooklyn. And it turns out that Thompson says this kind of reasoning, this is just as true for the real Worthington Samuel Smiths III's of the world. You know, in these decisions, sometimes the the uh, question is posed. Uh, there's a high-flying hedge fund manager and, you know, by golly, he's going to, you know, up and leave to a different state because he's not going to stand for it. But that's not the unit making the decision. Uh, individuals, unless they are unmarried and without kids, 
don't make migration decisions. These are household decisions. And a household has a connection to a community in terms of schools, in terms of social networks, you know, in terms of philanthropic commitments and history. So the factors, the stickiness factors that might cement anyone to a community are just as strong uh, for moderately affluent households. So location matters. And when, especially when you take the stickiness into account, then you start thinking, well, maybe what's actually true is the opposite of the argument Christie is making, that places that are especially sticky, where the quality of life is high, where your kids love their school, where the jobs are, where your friends are, they actually can get away with raising taxes sometimes and manage to keep everyone around. Last time I checked, millionaires and billionaires still lived in one of the highest tax places in the nation, New York City. Now, as Thompson says, sometimes that stickiness isn't there. And you do see slightly more rich people moving away from some high-tech states. So, for instance, when someone retires, they sell their home and they start looking for a place to relocate. The stickiness is gone. They're going somewhere. They're already moving. So they do tend to choose a lower tax state over a higher tax state. We know that. Likewise, some of the super rich who have multiple homes in multiple states, they may be able to change their residency without actually, you know, loading everything into a moving van. They can just spend a certain number of days in another place for tax reasons. So there are those small effects at the edges. But overall, Thompson says none of these effects are large enough to count as a true exodus of the rich. But Robert, there's still a big question for state governments, even knowing all the data that we just looked at, which is how high can you go with taxes? Because a lot of these states have you know, huge budget deficits and not the best record on fiscal discipline. So can they use taxes on the rich to pay for everything? Yeah, everyone we talked to says that at some point you can go too far. You can obviously raise your tax rates so high that, that everybody packs up and leaves. Now, most states so far have tax rates in the single digits. And there's no evidence that millionaires are leaving in droves from any particular state. Even in Chris Christie's state of New Jersey, and they had one of the highest one-time bumps in state income tax rates on the rich. Even in that state, even after this bump, they didn't see all the rich leave. Yeah, that was in 1994. New Jersey created what they call the semi-millionaires tax. And a bunch of sociologists looked at it to see what the effect was. And basically, this was a bump of 2.6% on people who made more than $500,000. You know, the vast, vast majority uh, just don't respond to the tax. They, they, stay where, they stay put. That's sociologist Charles Varner from Princeton, and he's the co-author of the study. He found a neat way to determine exactly how much effect a single tax raise has on the rich. First of all, he looked at the behavior of wealthy people who were just under the half-million-dollar tax line, people making, say, $480,000 a year. And then he compared that group to the rich people making more than half a million dollars. And all of a sudden, those rich guys had to suddenly pay more taxes. And he says some millionaires did move, as they always do, but the rate that the semi-millionaires left was exactly the same as those who make just under the $500,000 mark. The rich might have complained about the new tax, but they didn't do anything about it. Werner laughs when I ask him if the political debate out there drives him nuts. I mean, everyday politicians stand up and they claim the rich are fleeing, the rich are fleeing. And here he has some proof, a new study that says... They don't leave. You can raise taxes moderate amounts and the rich will stay put. But Varner, he seems more confused than outraged. He says there are plenty of arguments against raising taxes on the rich. Why not use those instead? One thing we kind of wanted to say with this paper is like, is look, that's just not really where the argument is. Um, regardless of your political perspective, the effect on migration is minimal. And 
if you want to make an argument about whether it's good or not for state policy, then maybe you should be looking at these other areas. He suggests, for instance, that they might make a stronger argument that taxing the rich slows down business development and job growth in the state. And he wants to study that, too. Or I could imagine that you you could make the argument that the higher you tax the rich, the more creative, shall we say, that they're going to get at hiding their money. So states that have tried to add a millionaire's tax always end up getting less money than they think they will. And one theory is that maybe those rich people just get better accountants. Better accountants like Jim Trippon, my accountant. Well, my fake accountant. He said, even if I don't want to move to Florida, perhaps there are other ways. He can incorporate me, and he suggested perhaps a more lavish company car that I can write off as a way to make sure that I get enough deductions and I'm not paying all these new millionaire taxes. He says that people may not move, but uh, their money always can. If I had a million dollars, I'd build a tree fort in our yard. If I had a million dollars, you could help, it wouldn't be that hard. As always, we want to hear what you thought of today's show. You can email us at planetmoney at npr.org. And if you want to see any of the studies that we've been talking about in this show, we're going to post them on our blog, npr.org slash money. I'm Hannah Jaffe-Walt. And I'm Robert Smith. Thanks for listening. If I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, well, I'd buy you a fur coat, but not a real fur coat. That's cruel. And if I had a million